Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. This is Marshall Fant with GFA Missions. Thanks for tuning in to this latest podcast. Today we're discussing a very unique opportunity ministries face with a very good friend of mine. So Jerry Jaquo, Pastor Jaquo, welcome to ReChurch. Thank you. It's good to be here with you, Marsh. All right. So for those who don't know Jerry and his wife, Mel, and their family, Jerry, pastors Kingsway Baptist Church. Jerry is a very good personal friend of mine when we pastored about 20 to 25 minutes apart and really a true sister church. So I've been able to observe Kingsway Baptist Church in Clover Lake Wiley, South Carolina area. And so, Jerry, you're a suburb of Charlotte. So tell our listeners about how far outside Charlotte you are. We are um, probably 25 to 30 minutes away from uh, what they say here, Uptown Charlotte, mm-hmm. in a growing community in Lake Wiley, just like Rock Hill is. We're uh, a little bit southwest of the city, whereas Rock Hill is more south. And there's a lake that divides North and South Carolina. You cross the lake, you come into Lake Wiley, which is the name of the lake, and we're about five minutes across the lake. So it's a it's an ever-growing little community, but God's blessed us, and we're thankful to Him. Yeah, and the church has not always been there, and that's the reason we want to talk about this. So, Jerry, now you're in a suburb of Charlotte, but when you first came to Charlotte, would you just give a brief history of the, what was the name of the church at that point? It was Sharon Lakes Baptist Sharon, Church. Which was located in part of Charlotte, right, kind of on the south side of Charlotte? Yes, um, coming out of the city is I-77, running parallel to I-77 is South Boulevard. It's a very populated area, but the further south you get, the community was very transient. It was very Hispanic. There was many condominiums, many apartments, and our church was located on Sharon Lakes Road. I could not see a house. I had to drive probably a mile and a half before I came to the first house. But there were apartments, condos all around us, up and down the street that we were located on. Uh, Now, the church was how old when your family arrived? The church was 40 years old. Okay, so the neighborhood around had changed. Yes, yes. And so the demographics of your church did not match the demographics of your neighborhood. Is that fair to say? Yes, yes, that would be very fair, yeah. I think, if I remember right, the church there, Sharon Lakes, had about an acre of property. Is that about right? Yes, they had two acres, and they were building some some apartments right next to them, and the apartments wanted an acre, so in order to get out of debt and put some money in the bank, they sold off an acre. And that's really what prompted the idea of calling a full-time pastor. The pastor before me was Mm part-time working for uh, Coca-Cola. And so they sold that off, paid some bills, put 40,000 in the bank. And that's when the pastor resigned and they started looking for a full-time pastor. All right, so they set the stage. But now when you came, you also came, you were bivocational, right? Yes, when I came to Charlotte, when the church called me, 
I was leaving a ministry in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had four little boys and my wife was pregnant. <laughs> so uh, we were moving to a church of 11 people. Nine were members, two were very faithful, but they were members of a, of a church up in Minnesota. So, you know, it, it was by necessity sure. I had to do something else. Yeah, and so for uh, a long while, just so our, our listeners understand, you were bivocational to help restart this church and with a full-time pastor. But one of the first things uh, you realized was the demographics of your church did not match the demographics of your neighborhood. So what were those key indicators? You said about the, the demographics has changed, but what were those key indicators that you knew God was wanting you to relocate, Sharon Lakes? Well, the church did start growing, but the people were transient. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a couple would come and and it looked like they'd be part of us. And, you know, I'd go to visit them. They'd miss a couple Sundays and I'd knock on their door and they were gone. Hmm. Or this family would start coming and then a few weeks later they'd be gone. Or this person or individual. We got a base together of maybe 30 people. Mm -hmm. But you could tell that past that base, we weren't going to be very effective in reaching who we were in our area. In fact, right. um, I came in um, March and in September, a man visited the church who spoke no English. Hmm. And he was a former pastor in Venezuela. And he came, he didn't understand anything. I tried to communicate to him, it was, it was hopeless. Hmm. But what happened was God used that man to start a Spanish work uh, from our church and that Spanish work kind of represented your the demographics right around your church, right? Yes, yeah, okay. yes. And we just kept following what the Lord was doing, and pretty soon he had a Spanish class going, and they were meeting in one of the back Sunday school classrooms, and pretty soon they were bigger than the classroom. Uh -huh. We knocked out a wall so that they could have two Sunday school classrooms, and they were filling that up. And pretty soon they got bigger than us. <laughs> uh, so we went to separate services. We would have the morning. They would have uh, late afternoon. They they quickly got over a hundred, and pretty soon it was obvious that we were in the wrong area. They were in the perfect area. Mm. So things like that. And then I had a man come and join us, a wonderful man, who, uh, in his wisdom. In my sometimes immaturity, he just sat me down and said, Pastor, we don't have a future here. Hmm. Now, what was hard about that was that some of the base were living in those houses, you know, two or three miles away. Right. And my family was traveling from Lake Wiley. And so when he sat me down and just said, I can't see us doing anything here, you know, that was always in the back of my head. God, what are you doing? What do you want for us? Here the Spanish ministry is thriving and we're, we're struggling to get to 35. And that was when I just said, Lord, what would you have me do? What do you want us to mm. do? And so through a series of events, we put the church on the market. It did not sell. We took it off the market for a period of time and then through another series of events, we put it back on the market. 
we hired probably then that second time one of the best commercial real estate agents in Charlotte. Right. And within eight months, we had a contract and we were we were at the closing table. All right. So really, when you saw that God was prospering another minister in that location, and one of your men realized, and you were approachable to his advice, right? I mean, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, That's a good lesson for pastors that are listening. Sometimes our deacons and leaders see things and really get us to the point where we have to make a decision. Yeah. But what was interesting, too, was that I didn't want to abandon the people close to the church. Sure. So I can recall this, Marsh. I don't know if you do, but I asked for your help in your youth group. And what we did was we put one final push on, like, Lord, if you would have Mm. us stay, please break through this. And we went and canvassed the family that lived closest to the church. We canvassed the area. I remember you you came with the mm-hmm. youth and a couple of your boys were out there knocking on doors and my family. And we canvassed that man's neighborhood just trying once again to reach whoever we could. And, you know, absolutely no one showed up. And that was, to me, God telling us, hey, it's okay. This is my plan. You need to move on and leave this Spanish work behind. Yeah, and you did. Right. Okay, so now, once that God had clarified in your heart that it was time to go, so from Sharon Lakes to your location, you went into a rented facility. How many miles was that, Jerry? We first sold the property and moved into our home for a year. Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah, we had church in our home in Lake Wiley, and we had that base come with us of, Hmm. you know, 25, 30 people. Okay. And we were in our home that year. We would have Wednesday nights at different members' homes, so that wouldn't be too hard on my wife. Mm -hmm. So Wednesday nights were shared around uh, between the members, but that went on for a year. And bearing the name of the church being the old street, we knew we had to make a name change. We knew we had to rewrite our constitution. So the old church was Sharon Lakes Baptist Church, named after the street it was located on, right? Right, Sharon Lakes Road. So during that year in our home, we reorganized, we renamed the church, we rewrote our constitution, but I knew we couldn't start a church in our home. We needed a separate location. So I called Dave Barba, and met with him up in Raleigh, and he gave me some wonderful advice. And you know, Dave Barber's forget. with Press On Ministries, right? Right, yeah. right. Wonderful church planner. Mm-hmm. I mean, he uh, he's forgotten more about church planning than yeah. than I know. Dave's I mean, a great resource. Is, yes. Oh, he's a yeah. great great man. His wife, wonderful wonderful mm-hmm. lady. And um, so I sat out. I, I took him to lunch up in Raleigh. That's where he was located. I said, I'll come to you. He gave me some great advice. We did the phones for you. And this was back in 2006, late 2006, early 2007. I don't know that you could do that now right. with everyone having a cell phone, but everyone right. had, well, most people had a landline then. But what we did six nights a week we told our people they had a part-time job. <laughs> and from five to nine, we got a bank of phones and one of the men in our church, the man who came to me and said, we're not gonna do anything here. He provided a place for us and hmm. we, we actually hooked up more phones and, and we got 
10 to 20 people there each night and we began to call the community and tell them we were starting a church at a camp mm-hmm. uh, right across the bridge coming into South Carolina. There's a camp there, a YMCA camp. Everyone knew Camp Thunderbirds. So right. we, we told them our start date, March 25, 2007. And we started calling for four weeks. Then we sent out four letters, the last one being a personal invitation to come. And then on March 25th, we began anew at that camp. And we had a wonderful service there. I think uh, a lady came to know Christ that, mm. that morning. That's a and blessing. Then, yeah. yeah, then we started at that camp. And they had told us, yeah, we'll make room for you. Well. We had to switch different places inside the camp from one location to another. Finally, we got into a routine. But then the summer of 2007 came along, and they met us and said, hey, we cannot have you here this summer. We might be able to have you back late September. So again, we went to the Lord, you know, what are you doing? Where can we go? And there was a daycare that Mm -hmm. had started up that was brand new. They were right across the street from a Walmart. So we approached the owners, and I had a previous contact with them, and we sat down and talked to them and told them we'd be willing to pay rent. We will come in. You won't even know we've been here. Mm-hmm. And they, they liked the opportunity. They claimed to know the Lord. And so we then in early June went to a daycare here in Lake Wiley, And the location was perfect. Like I said, it was right across the street from the Walmart. We told people, you know where the Walmart is? You walk out the front door of the Walmart, keep walking, cross the street, and you walk right into church. That's how we started there. And we were at the daycare. Uh, The Lord blessed, and we grew. We were there for a little over five years. So really, your relocating was really almost a termination of one ministry and planting another. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, 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 that would be fair. Because you launched Kingsway Baptist Church, new name, new location. You had the same core group, and then you left behind a Spanish church. But right. I think it was the, don't let me put words in your mouth, but the way I view it, it, it was a replant or a uh, just a restart mm-hmm. um, and launched it. All right, so now that was what year, Jerry, 2000 and what? 2007. All right, um, so now let's think back. All right, so now we're in 2019 is when we're recording this podcast. Give our listeners an idea of the current state of Kingsway. You have property, yes. right? Right. We yep. took the money from the sale of the property, and we didn't yep. touch it until that group at the Giving Tree started to grow. We went from um, our first Sunday. We had 88 first-time visitors from the wow. Phones for You. Now, that went significantly down, and then we met at the daycare, and we started to grow again. And so we began to grow. And, and you stabilized at about what number? Uh, yeah, probably around 80 there at the Giving Tree, okay. something to that, 80, yeah. 100. We started using every single room. They right. wouldn't let us in the office, obviously. But every other room in that daycare was being used. Okay. And so property we, became we, available. You yeah. bought it. Because here's yeah. kind of what I want you to comment on. All right. So now you have a beautiful building. Uh, people can go. What is your website if somebody wants to look at that? KingswayBaptistChurch.org. All right. KingswayBaptistChurch.org. 
You have beautiful facility, beautiful grounds. It's easy to look back, okay? But what I want you to comment on is uh, you talking about what went well in the transition. What unexpected difficulties did you face? Or somebody's thinking about relocating your ministry, okay? What unexpected difficulties hit you, your family, your key leaders in the church? Well, raising money <laughs> is, is always the biggest challenge. And what we did, we placed every, every Sunday, we hung a banner of a runner in a race and, you know, different goals of thousands of dollars. We wanted 200000 and we got stuck on 60000 and we mm. were not moving. Mm. I mean, it was, uh, it became almost a joke, you know. We place a runner, tape a runner on that banner, and, <laughs> well, I mean, that guy... He, he melted down around 65,000. He, he would knock <laughs> he it He wasn't budging, huh? No, no. All right, so, so this money was for what? Well, it was for building. We, okay. we had the money for property. Right. But about that time, the housing market had bottomed out, mm -hmm. and banks quit loaning money. Yeah. I mean, if they, they knew you were a church, they said, sorry, we're just yeah. not doing it. Mm -hmm. So we uh, we came across a nice piece of property, 14 acres, right? And we we went ahead and bought it, and so we had the property, and all we had was this meager sixty thousand dollars, and we were just stuck. And we again we were praying, Lord, you've got to do something. I was dreaming and wondering, can I lead some rich man to Christ and him, <laughs> you know? fund it like some of the stories you hear, um, but it just wasn't happening. I guess that was the biggest obstacle when you've got property to build on, but no one is lending you money and yeah. you don't have enough to start. And that's where we were for probably two years. We were stuck. All right. Now, let me say this because I observed all this going on. This was a difficulty, but at the same time, you're still seeing people come to Christ you're discipling those that are there. The focus wasn't just on the money. No, uh, You no. were continuing to do ministry. So the church was, I would say, spiritually growing, right? Even though you're hitting this wall to try to get money for a building, the church was not in neutral or reverse. Is that correct? Uh, it was going uh, that, forward. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it was in neutral. No, there was a wonderful spirit among yep. our people. We would meet every Saturday to go out and visit. We got a newcomer's list of the area. We had some wonderful, wonderful people. I mean, my parents would come and they would visit Saturday morning. Roger and Joe Peterson, longtime members, wonder. I mean, he ran the visitation ministry at Fourth Baptist in Minneapolis. He was in our core and he'd show up for visitation. Another man, Dan and Nancy Butney here at Faith now in Iowa. Yeah. Uh, wonderful people. They'd show up and we'd have visitation and I'd go out with my wife and other couples and then we'd meet back and we'd have lunch together in our home and we were knocking on doors and we were trying to reach people who were new to the area. So and I said uh, that to say this, pastors that do hit this wall, you just got to keep doing ministry and keep yeah. encouraging your people to do ministry and consider this an opportunity, right? Versus a, a dead end. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think 
God was just testing our faith, testing mm -hmm. my faith. And I can remember some lonely days. Uh, you mentioned the job. I was bivocational and I'd be out on my other job and I had plenty of time to think, plenty of time to pray and God, what are you doing? What <laughs> do you want? And it was just that time yeah. where we just kept putting one foot in front of the other, just doing what we knew was right to do until we were advised by one of the men who showed up that very first Sunday, a businessman in our church. And he suggested to us, why don't we sell bonds? Mm. And, you know, that word bonds kind of sent chills through me from all the <laughs> horror stories you hear from 20, 30 years ago and yeah. what a mess that was. But the more we researched it, the more we came to think this is probably the only way that we're going to get a building. And so we brought in an expert in this area and he talked to our church, explained it to our church and said, this is what you need to do. We can uh, only do this amount. Mm -hmm. And so we went to our church and we started telling them, here's the options. Here's the return. We even advertised in our local Lake Wiley paper mm -hmm. in, in case someone wanted to invest. And we put those bonds up for sale. And it wasn't very long before they were all sold. The money was there on our, um, I believe it was our sixth anniversary mm -hmm. um, wait 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 no it would have been earlier than that it probably been our fourth anniversary we broke ground mm. so we go back to march 25 of 2007 and it was long about 2011 where there's a picture of probably 80 of us out in the woods uh with hard hats and shovels you know breaking ground Amen. and having prayer what would you say to a pastor and maybe his wife and deacons they're at this point and they get discouraged and, and really the building becomes the focus or lack of a building. The future building is so preoccupying them that they take their eyes off ministry. What would you say to that? How do you how did you keep that great spirit? Yeah, that that was a personal battle that I tried not to make a church battle. Okay. And I I knew I wasn't going to quit and give up. I knew I was going to stay with this and so it was just a matter of lord in your timing in your will help me to have the patience to wait and for many of us uh, and i put myself into this category that's one of the hardest things to do obviously is waiting on god especially when people are looking to you and to your leadership and yeah. saying you know why aren't we doing this and why aren't we moving forward well, you have to teach people what you're trying to teach yourself, what you're trying to preach to yourself. And, you know, there were some hard days when we went into that daycare and my family every Saturday had to tear it down. We mapped yeah. it out. Yeah. And then the church, after we were done Sunday afternoon, Set it back up. we put it all yeah. back together, loaded everything back in that trailer. And, yeah. and that, that was five long years. But... That's probably a little less than average, but it was still long. I don't care. So, you know, but God changed you and your family during that time, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you matured, us. huh? Yeah. He just taught us. We, yeah. we had to learn things and be at a place where he could bless us. And I'm not saying that people who go through this in a longer period than what I had to are not 
blessed and they need to change their attitude. Exactly. I'm not yeah. saying that. Yeah. I understand. But there, there were so many lessons along the way, and there were so many exciting times along the way. People coming to Christ, people joining the church. My children were growing up, and now we were starting a youth group, and uh, that was just unfathomable years before at Sharon Lakes. But now all of a sudden, God's saving these parents, and they had teens, and they're coming into our youth group, and then they're going off to camp and getting saved, and, and just so many exciting things that were taking place that uh, you, you couldn't take your eye off of that. All right, so let me ask you this, and we got about a minute and a half, two minutes left. And again, I'm observing, and so I've seen a lot of the blessings. So you relocate a ministry, now you're replanting a ministry, and now it's 2019, these years later, and your church has become a sending station. I know your sons, you have others that have gone out to train for the ministry. Is that correct? From your uh, church? Yeah. Okay. Yes. yes. So would you simply, in closing, comment maybe as these families and young people saw God using Jerry Jaquo, his family, and they got the front row seat to see Christ build his church. Don't you think that had to be a great seed for God to use to call these young men into ministry? Uh, yes, I, I do believe that. It's it's obviously not because of me, not because of you, Marsh, not right. because of any of us, and, and all glory to God. But one thing we did, and this started back at the Giving Tree, we put on our prayer list. Right, so the Giving Tree was the rental facility, right? Yes, okay. yes, the rental facility. Okay. We would pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers out of our church. And we started consistently praying that. And we still prayed. This is Thursday. We prayed it last night on Wednesday night church. We prayed the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. And we're, we're asking him to do that. And he has been gracious enough to answer that to a certain extent. And uh, we're great. just thrilled, right. thrilled. I want you to give out your email address because I'm sure there are a lot of listeners or pastors that may may need the encouragement from you. So could you tell everyone what your, and spell it for everyone, your email address? Sure. That's my last name, J-A-C-Q-U-O-T, and then the letter J, Jaquo J, at bellsouth.net. Okay. And Jerry, his wife's name is Melody, they would be happy to encourage because Jerry, I know I'm in a lot of churches there. You know, God allowed you by his grace for you and your family to keep the eye on the ball of discipling and making disciples. The building was a tool of that. And so often we get it reversed. And again, it's easy in 2019 to look back, right? And say, okay, yeah, yeah God did all this. But we're in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the trial. It's not oh, yeah. so easy, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, there were some times when I was weeping, just, uh, God, what are you doing? What do you want? And those were discouraging times. But praise God, there were wonderful pastors in my area who would call me up and take me to lunch and encourage me, like uh, the one I'm talking to. And I really appreciate Marsh and his friendship. Uh, what his church meant to our church, uh, I, I wish we had another half hour. Yeah, that's that, a whole that was, that's a whole interdependence we enjoy, right? Yeah, that was a, a wonderful relationship that I still enjoy with your son, by the way. Great. A wonderful friend in ministry. And yeah, maybe we can do a podcast on that. 
again, for any pastor that is struggling in this, or maybe even you may not need to relocate your ministry, but maybe you just need some encouragement on reaching people and things Jerry and his wife and family have done. Because I know Jerry's entering a new phase now with his sons. They're off in college. So this part of his workforce, if I can put it that way, is leaving, right? Right. We've hired our second son. Our oldest son is working with your son up in Indiana. And yeah, that's one of the joys of ministry, though, is seeing your kids love ministry and want to want to go into it. All right. Well, again, I want to thank Jerry. Appreciate you and your family. I want to thank Sarah Hartwig and the GFA office for editing and promoting the podcast. And again, thank you for listening to ReChurch. Jerry, thanks again for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. I enjoyed it, Marsh. Thank you. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org consulting.